Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, I am so excited to see you. You know, this morning I was just saying to my wife, it's, it's, it's awesome how, you know, just driving to church and it just have this, just this sense. It's like I'm going home. You know, and I just love that place. And it's not home because we built it a certain way. But it's home because it's where God has connected us. Amen. And uh, if you haven't discovered that this can be home for you, then just, just, just hang around a while and watch. And this can be your home as well. Amen. Praise the Lord. We just believe that God is doing wonderful things through the local church and we just want to follow him. You know, our only, our only purpose, uh, the only purpose I have as a pastor really is to, is to feed pe God's people the word. But the purpose of it is to bring people closer to him. Yes. You know, and, and as I've learned, you know, pastoring uh, these almost nine years, one of the things that I've learned is that all I can do is point people to Jesus. I can't make people go. I can't make people connect. That's always up to them. But my heart is to always bring people closer to God. And, and, and because it's in that place that you find your answers. I won't have all your answers. You know, I said this recently by revelation, but I said it very true. You can't, you can't live off my preaching. You have to live off the Word of God. You can't live off anybody's preaching. You know, there's some people that try to do that. They live off a certain message or a certain minister. That's wrong. We have to live off the Word of God. Every word, Jesus said himself, he said, I, my, my bread is every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the, uh, of the, mouth of the Lord. Amen? Praise the Lord. And so we're just so thankful for that. But, uh, you know, we're getting into some very, a very important set of messages um, uh, this week. Um, the, the, the message, uh, really, for some time now, well over a year, the Lord has been dealing with me about ministering and preaching on hell and specifically what hell is. And, uh, you, you, you know, and because one of the reasons is, is that one of the understandings that I have is that without an understanding of hell, people aren't going to, uh, they're not going to realize the importance of, of, of shunning it. Amen. They're not going to realize the importance of, of, of what we call proselytizing, where, we, where we're talking about reaching other people, sharing the gospel with other people. You know, there's a lot of times, and I know what it's like when you're out in public or something and you feel like maybe you should share something with somebody, but you're a little bit afraid to or something like that. But see, the truth is, is if you understood what the, what, what the other side of it is, you wouldn't be so hesitant. You would want to do so more. I, uh, there was a famous atheist that said this. I think it was actually, um, if you've ever heard of the, the, the magician duo uh, Penn and Teller, now, uh, they're, they're professed atheists, and, and Penn, uh, the, the taller of the, guy, the guys is, is, and the one who talks, is uh, he's quite vocal about his atheism. And I'm pretty sure it was him who said once, he said, I don't respect anybody who believes what they believe as far as uh, being a Christian or whatever, but doesn't proselytize. He said, how can you believe that I'm going to hell and not want to make sure I don't go there? And I thought that's really interesting. That's some training that we can get from a, from a, a, a from a, a, an atheist, right? Praise the Lord. But you know, uh, in doing this, I, I I I wanted to do it right. Well, the Lord really put it on my heart to start doing this, and so uh, uh, this is something I knew I was going to have to do. But when I was thinking about it, you can't preach about hell. It's like where do you begin when you start talking about hell? Well, you can't preach about hell without sin, preaching about sin, because until people have a knowledge of what sin is and why it is, we, they'll never understand the purpose of hell. They'll never understand what hell is all about. And we're going to get into that further down the line, because a lot of people have a skewed uh, a lot of, uh, idea of hell. A lot of Christians do. So if you came here today and you're really worried about the hell talk, just just uh, uh, be, be full of joy. I'm not getting into hell today. Amen. In fact, none of us are going to hell today. Hallelujah. I was just <laughs> We'll just stay right out of that place, amen? But we are, I, I am going to be talking about sin. But you know, uh, this message is called Sin, Hell, and Redemption. And the reason it's called Sin, Hell, and Redemption is because I didn't want to spend weeks talking about sin and then hell without giving you something good. So if you come for one week, you're just going to hear some hard stuff. And I'm going to tell you there's some hard things probably in the things that I'm preaching. But we need to know it. Amen. We can't be afraid of it, but we need to understand it. Christians need to understand these things. Amen. And so that's part of the reason that we're doing it. Amen. But uh, before I get into this, I've decided we, we were really blessed this week. My, my Aunt Judy, uh, some of you may have recognized her. She comes sometimes to our Tuesday services. She goes to the Jamestown Church, but she's my... Uh, my aunt on my, on my father's side, and so my, my grandparents that raised me in the faith, uh, the, she, and I've talked about 
about them many times, uh, that those were her parents too. And she gave us this week, we happened to see her, or I happened to see her, and she gave me this week um, some things that she had found that my grandma had collected. Now my grandma, if you don't know, my grandfather was a, a, a pastor, and, and, and both his father and my grandmother's father were also pastors. And, um, and so she was well, uh, she understood well church stuff, amen? And so she had this collection of, of different uh, uh, quotes, uh, different uh, church jokes and some of those things like that. Uh, but then she had this really, this kind of somewhat long collection of, of church bullets. These were actual ch things that were found in church bulletins uh, that were funny. And I thought I would share them with you. And so this, this is where we're going to start. Before we get into sin, before we get into hell... <laughs> We're going to talk about some jacked up church bulletins, you know? Now, now around here, we don't always understand church bulletins because we nixed them a long time ago. And you know why? Because I just think it's more work than it's worth. And to be honest with you, you know, not, not in the name of being green, although I'm, I'm okay with being green, uh, you know, and just not wasting the paper. I, I, most people don't really look at them anyways. They end up on the floor, they end up in the trash, and we just don't want to go to all the extra effort to do that, amen? But there is a joy that we miss out, and that's a, a thing called a typo, amen? Or bad wording, amen? And I think the way that they, they, they introduced this whole thing to, uh, on the set of papers that my, my grandma had there was that, uh, you know, know, uh, God bless uh, little ladies with church typewriters, you know, that, that came up with these sayings that they would put in church bulletins. But these were found in church announcements, okay? So I've got four that I'm going to share with you this week. I'll probably share more next week. So even if you don't want the message, you got to come back because these are so good. It's hilarious. Amen? Praise the Lord. So the first one, this is, a, this is from a church bulletin. Keep that in mind that these things were literally in church bulletins. Bertha Belch, a missionary from Africa, will be speaking tonight. Come here, Bertha Belch, all the way from Africa. <laughs> That's the first one. Second one. The fasting and prayer conference includes meals. <laughs> you guys just got to love all the information we got to give out, right? Oh, this one. I love this one. The sermon this, this morning, Jesus walks on water. The sermon tonight, searching for Jesus. That's, that's one of the greatest ones. That's just, that, that one's just good through and through. Amen? Praise the Lord. And this one, this one's real good as well. They're all, there's some really good ones. And what was really funny is as we were going through them, there was some my grandma had starred. It was like, you know, that was speaking to her. So we got to see a little bit of, of that side of her personality and all, which was a blessing too. But the last one that I have for you today is the peacemaking meeting scheduled for today has been canceled due to conflict. So... You just got to think about it a little bit more before you <laughs> praise the Lord. Glory to God. And so, so that, that gives us a little bit of humor. And of course, you know, when I'm not making light of the gospel. You know, it is, it is good to laugh in church. And it's good to have times of seriousness too as well. Amen. But uh, today we are getting into this message uh, of sin, hell, and redemption. And this is part one. And I, I really am looking forward to this because, you know, one of the things is, is that <clears throat> people get afraid of things sometimes uh, because they don't understand the truth of them. Amen? And, you know, as we talk about sin today specifically, and I, I don't know whether, you know, I don't, again, I don't know how many weeks this is going to be. I don't know if we'll exceed the 12 weeks that we did last time. But uh, if we do, we're going to have to have a break because I'm going to be gone uh, traveling with Reverend Rich in some of that time. But, uh, you, you know, for the, for, for the topic, uh, so many people, they misunderstand what sin is. And I found this kind of across the board. A lot of Christians don't understand what it is. And, and it actually puts us in a bad position because uh, the, the, the warped ideas that we have about these things actually put us in a place where we don't trust God. Um, and, and there's reasons for that, but, uh, but there's a lot of things that are perpetuated through humanity, in humanity. One of the things that I found is I found many people that have been hurt in churches over the years that have truly walked away from the faith, and all of it was just a misunderstanding of the word. It was a misunderstanding of truth. And so what my heart is as a pastor is to always present the truth to you the best that I know how. And if I learn greater uh, levels of truth, because I don't know everything, uh, as I learn more and more about 
about truth, I want to share that with you. And so there's even times where I'm like, hey, you know, uh, uh, you know, maybe we preach this a little bit on this side of things and then we got to get back over in this lane too, amen? And that's never to come against anybody else. The purpose, I'm, I'm not trying to cause division. But I'm, I'm trying to keep this, this group, uh, the groups that God has connected with us, I'm trying to keep them in a vein where, where, where they learn how to trust God. You know, I, I can't tell you, there, there is such an important part of our life in having a pastor in our life. It's, it's maybe one of, the, uh, one, one of the most important gifts that God has given us as a pastor. But with that, you have to understand that every pastor is human. And if every pastor is human, then every pastor has a tendency or, 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 or the ability um, inherently to be flawed and to make mistakes. Sometimes I, I, I may be mad and, and, and say something uh, out of anger or not say something quite right. Sometimes I may have a misunderstanding of the word itself. But you know, God didn't choose me to be pastor or any other pastor because of their perfection. He, if God has chosen someone to be pastor, he does it because of, uh, out of obedience and willingness, and he plans on gifting them with the things that we need. And so there's a lot of times when we sit in churches and we have to understand that we, we, we have to fill filter something, sometimes it's good for us to learn the word and filter. But, but I'm going to tell you right now, I couldn't be where I am today without a pastor. I couldn't have gotten there because the, the pastoral office is a, uh, if you want to call it an office, I don't really like calling it an office, uh, but the pastoral gifting of what it's called, it's not me, it's the, the thing that God has used me for. I'm like a vessel, right? A carrier of the thing, Amen. And hopefully I'll be a, a vessel that's, a, that, that's good and, and, and that's uh, usable uh, uh, but in uh, desirable, amen, in the sense of being something that people want to be around. But you have to understand that what's inside is most important, amen? And that's the truth about all of us. It's not what, what, what is on the outside shell. It's not the things that necessarily in our personalities, but it's really truly what's on the inside of us, what God is developing on the inside of us. And it's in that place that we all connect. You might not like the way I look, and that's fine. I don't like the way you look, and that's fine. Glory to God. We don't come here together because we like the way each other looks. We come here because there is a draw in the Spirit to bring us together. Amen? And the reason that I'm presenting all this stuff at the beginning is because in this, we, we, we get warped impressions of, of the things uh, sometimes in the Bible. Uh, and actually, what I've found is that Christians a lot of times become kind of superstitious. In fact, some denominations go into full, get into full-blown superstition because of their warped understanding of truth. Amen? And I wrote this down that most people base their understanding of a perfect God by imperfect human models. Now, God has given us these things in life, you know. Uh, uh, you know, you look at the marriage relationship, a husband and wife relationship is a reflection of covenant of, uh, of between us and God. So even if you're not in one, you can understand it. Uh, and understand what it's supposed to be, and so that's fine. Uh, but we understand that, that that's it's, so. If the if if the uh, if the marriage relationship is 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 failing or in a bad place, sometimes got people reflect that on their covenant with God. If my where you know, or or how about this? One of the one of the greatest ones that that means so much to me that I've learned is that of being a father. You know, I, I realized early on, and had I realized this, I'm going to be honest with you, and this is truth, and I'm just going to say this as it, as, as it pertains to me. I'm not telling any, or leading anyone else by this. But I remember a specific point in time when I realized what the role of the father was, and I also realized that if I had known that before I had ever had kids, I'd have never had kids. Because it's such an important role. And every place I fail at that, gives my kids opportunity to look at their Heavenly Father the same way. Because the, the, the father's role is such an important role to the children. Now the mother's role is, as well. But the father is supposed to reflect the heavenly father. And when I realize that, now when I say that, I love my kids. I wouldn't give them up for the world. Uh, I try to get more kids all the time. We had some every once in a while. Uh, praise the Lord. You know, we add some every once in a while as, as we can. And, and so uh, I, I'm not opposed to it. But you understand what I'm saying? Just the, the, that, that I remember having that moment where it just settled on me. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I started thinking about areas where I failed my kids. And you can't get wrapped up in that either. But the point that I'm trying to bring up is realizing that, realizing that my kids will either, uh, that, that my relationship with the Father will either drive my family to God or I can drive them away. 
And so many times, why do you think that one of the number one things that the devil has attacked in the local church is to get the father absent? Because you get the father absent, and the rest of the family will follow suit. Now, mothers, we have lots of good mothers, and they, 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 they do a wonderful job and try like crazy. But I'm just telling you, I've seen the effects of it over and over and over again. And again, this doesn't make light of the mother's importance, because if a mother doesn't have a husband that's going to, to drive the kids into the local church, then she has to do it by default. And, uh, and, and that's not always an easy thing. And we've seen lots of mothers that have suffered because they don't have uh, a, a good husband around to help with the kids or the husband doesn't want to be the spiritual head. And, you know, the spiritual head of the household really is that you lead first to Christ. That's what it means. It doesn't mean, oh, I'm the head of the household, so you just all do what I say. That's not what it means at all. It means that you are the first example of Christ in the home. You take that role because it's important to you. Amen. We're going to get into sin. Believe me. Uh, Praise the Lord. But we have to understand that. And so what a lot of people are doing is they, uh, they, they look at sin, uh, a lot of people look at sin through the eyes of what they see in humanity. They don't look at it through the eyes of what's written in Scripture. And, and then when they, when they do that, then they translate that to, to, okay, if somebody goes to hell because of sin then they also start looking at God that way. Well, well, God's just sending all these imperfect people because they don't want to do what he says. And really what it's come down to is a lot of people's understanding, both in the church and especially out of the church, is that you don't sin because sin makes God angry. And if you make God angry, God will send you to hell. Now, I know that, you know, and of course we're well taught around here and so, or we try to be, right? So, so a, a lot of you I even see is shaking your heads and I appreciate that. I appreciate that you know that's not truth. But we have to understand really what the, the, the depths of this is. And so when we get into talking about sin today, I'm not telling you what, everything that's sinful. I'm not going to go through all the sins. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. Because we do that all the time, Right. We share that in services all the time. That's not the purpose of what's it. We're going to understand, though, my goal is, is for us to understand what sin actually is. That it's not just that it makes God mad, or that if it makes God mad, we need to understand why it makes God mad. And we have to understand its connection to hell instead of understanding hell as something that God just puts us in, just puts people in. Amen? And these things are so important for us to get. Amen? And, and, and to start this off, we're going to start in Romans 5.8 because I think this is a good place for us to... Because before we can understand this, we have to understand some things about God. And Romans 5.8 really sums up God in a, in, in a quick little nutshell, so to speak. Amen? Romans 5.8. I even have this one circled in my scripture. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now, if you don't understand this this verse as a whole, let me explain it to you very clearly. Jesus didn't wait until you were able to do something for him. God didn't wait until you had something, you did just enough right things or enough religious things, you had gone to church. You know, I I heard some speaking about uh, the thief on the cross recently, and I find it really interesting, you know, the one that went to heaven with Jesus? Eventually, anyways, he didn't go right to heaven, but he eventually went to heaven, and that's another subject for another time. But uh, the thief on the cross next to Jesus, and and, and they were saying this, they said, uh, you know, think about how the thief on the cross really uh, in light of your theology. He never went to church one day in his life. He never tithed. He never gave. He never worked for the Lord. He never did anything for the Lord. He never read his Bible. He never, uh, you, you know, served in the local church. It's all these things he didn't do. And yet Jesus told him, promised him heaven. And why did he promise him heaven? It wasn't because of the things that he did. It was because of what he saw and what he accepted. He saw the Messiah, and he accepted that as truth. Amen? Amen. 
And so uh, that doesn't mean that all those things aren't good for us to do. Of course, I, don't, I, I have a, a real hard time uh, with somebody telling me that they're a real good Christian. You know, I was talking to my wife this morning about the fruits of the Spirit. You know, we just got out of the fruits of the Spirit. And you know, one of the things with me is that if, if I do something wrong, the fruits of the Spirit uh, being active or inactive in my life instantly point me to the fact of whether I'm right or wrong. And I can't stay wrong very long if I've got the fruits of the Spirit in my life. Uh, in fact, you guys, you all heard me recently. I apologized to my daughter because I was preaching on the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, and yeah, I was preaching on gentleness, and that night we, we had some things that we got into and for whatever reason. But the, the, the whole point was is the next day, I wasn't settled in my heart because it didn't feel like there was peace in that situation. Now, she loved me very much, and she still did, and I love her very much, and I still did. There wasn't that. Love was still there. But the fact that there wasn't peace between us robbed, was robbing from my day. And if it was robbing from my day, I knew that it had to be robbing from hers or that it potentially could be. And so I wanted to alleviate, alleviate that as soon as I could. See, the fruits of the Spirit, not having peace in my, in my heart, instantly drove me to the place, well, I got to get peace. That's why I don't understand Christians that just live wrong. Like if you just live wrong, just live in sin, you got to check up on your spiritual pulse. You might be dying. Amen. I'm telling you the truth because we can't, you can't just, you can't, you can't be spending time with the Father and blatantly live in sin. If somebody's blatantly living in sin and they're, they're spending no time with God, they're not hearing from the Spirit of God. And we have to, we have to understand that because the, the, the Lord will convict us of these things. And when we understand sin, we'll understand why he convicts us. But this we understand that God demonstrates his love towards us, that when we had nothing to offer, we had nothing worthwhile, we had nothing good about us, there was no guarantee whether we would ever do anything good for him. In that place is where God said, I'm going to send my son to die for your sins when you were worthless, when you were in the gutter, when you were nothing. That's when God did it. You think about the lowest point in your life, the lowest point, if you, have a, if you have a moment at the very, very end, like the last second of your life to reflect on all your life and you look at the very lowest point of your life, the lo very worst thing that you ever did, it was at that point that Jesus died for you. And this is the thing we have to understand, is that he will go to the, literally the ends of the earth and do everything that he possibly can to save a sinner who is caught up in sin. Amen? Praise the Lord. So with that, what we can say is this, God is not looking to send people to hell. Now there's some preachers that preach that, oh, God's mad at you. And they talk about the wrath of God. And there is a truth to the wrath of God. There is a truth to the anger of God. But God is not looking to see who he can put in eternal torment. And we'll get into why it's eternal torment when we start preaching on hell. I'm telling you, you're going to want to get to all these services. Amen? Praise the Lord. But this is the world's sin logic. God makes the rules, and he makes us with the capacity to sin. Sin makes him mad, and therefore we make him mad because we sin. And now we must die to appease his own anger. That's the world's logic on what sin is. Should I say that again? God makes the rules and he makes us with, uh, with, uh, with the capacity to sin. So he made us able to sin, right? And sin makes him mad. And therefore we make him mad because we've sinned. And now we must die to appease his own anger. There's a lot of people in the churches that believe this. They look at sin this way. This is the way that they see it. But, 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 but it was God who said specifically about sin. He's like, it wasn't sacrifice that I desired. It was mercy. And that's what we see in Jesus. The sacrifice was meant to cover the sin. But he's like, that's not the thing that pleased me. Mercy was the thing that pleased me. Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. Now to unpack this a little bit, uh, we're talking about sin. So I'm going to talk about my son Mark's house, Mark and Allison's house. Amen? Uh, we're going to talk about sin, so we're, we're, we're importing that into the day. And don't, he knows where I'm going with this, so, so don't feel bad. But this, this is kind of, this is how many of us come into the church like Mark's house. See, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's the truth. Oh, I'll get there. I'll explain it. Yeah. See, when Mark bought his house, he got it at a tax auction. And he got it real cheap, right, which was a blessing to him. 
And we helped him uh, in the sense that we walked him through it. You know, he had never bought a house before, and we were kind of helping him try to figure those things out and stuff. And, and, I, and, and I saw, in fact, I was the one doing the bidding for him. And we had decided ahead of time that we'd probably only go up to so much, but I had sensed in my spirit, no, go more go more. And we kept going and we just outlasted the last person and we got it for a very reasonable price. Yeah. But the house needed an uh, abundance of work. Okay. Uh, and, and this is why everybody else backed away from it. But this is how many of us come into the church. And this is why I think it's such a great example. See, we come to church and we got our stuff. There's a shell, there's stuff in it, you know, and just like Mark's house there was. I mentioned this at Coria, um, not last night, but the week before, I mentioned how when, when, when we first walked into Mark's house, you know, and started tearing into things, there was, there was, in the living room, there was three layers of carpet, at least three layers of carpet, and then other flooring underneath that. Uh, right on top of each other, Aaron. And I have never, ever replaced carpeting in a building and thought, I'm just going to cover over the one that was there. <laughs> because the reason you're getting new carpet is because the one that's there probably stinks. It's dirty. It's nasty. It's holding stuff. But these, whoever did this, they didn't see fit to just do it once, but they did it multiple times. And I'm like, oh, that'll tell you. But it was like, you know, it was like in the Grand Canyon. When they go down in the Grand Canyon, look into the different layers, and they're like, oh, this, this time in history. I, I think we may have found the pro, pro the, the, what is it, the, some prehistoric different uh, levels, you know, and found a dinosaur or two in there. Glory to God, which I saw, I saw a really neat thing uh, uh, recently, you know. If, if dinosaur or, or, or plastic comes from oil, right? It's an it's a oil derivative of oil, and oil comes from dinosaurs, you know, if you trace that back far enough, uh, then you can literally say that plastic dinosaurs are real dinosaurs. I just, it's free, no charge, glory to God. But, but we actually found some. We found, a, I don't know if it was an ape man. I got it somewhere. Uh, it was an ape man or a Sasquatch or something from vintage times. Found that in the walls. And there's a lot of other stories with it, but we found lots of stuff. But this is how a lot of us come into the church. We're, 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 we're a little bit rickety. We're dilapidated, you know, maybe kind of cockeyed a little bit. And, and people don't quite want to, you know, just want to live in us or, you know, live with us or anything like that. And we got all kinds of issues, you know. But the first thing that we have to understand before we get in any of the work of, uh, 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 of fixing the structure is you got to clean it out. And so often this is the process of what God is doing with us. We come to him because he died for us when we were at the tax auction. We, he died for us when nobody else wanted us. We, we, he died for us when the ones in charge said, let's just sell it for whatever any fool will give us for it. And we'll be happy with that no matter what is owed back, you know. And that's exactly how God kind of looked at us. And that's what he did. He said, oh, these guys, are, these guys are, 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 aren't worth anything. These guys aren't going to, you know, they're, they're not going to do anything for me. They're full of sin. And, and those, that, those layers of carpet and the grime and the different, you know, uh, the different things in there that had to be torn out. And that house was completely gutted. Nothing inside that house was saved. Some of the floors were even taken out. Two of the exterior walls were taken out and redone. He did all that. Two of the exterior walls. There's only four exterior walls. So that's like, so essentially what we're saying is half the house was garbage. It needed everything, replumbed, re uh, rewired, everything, literally, absolutely everything. Amen. And so sometimes that's the way we come in. We need so much to be taken care of. We come in in a mess. You know, and the thing is, Mark has been in this endeavor now for, for several years. Uh, and, and his wife has been uh, helping him now for, for sev uh, several more, right? And so I've been around it anyways and, and, and partaking of it for several more. And, and we know, uh, you know, he knows that it's a process. But see, so many times people come into the church and they expect the same thing. They have all this built up in them. They have all this stuff. And they, they, they want to come in. They want a magic pill to fix it all. And there's no such thing as that. That's not what the local church is for. But the local church does have a purpose. And you have to understand what that purpose is. The local church, through the direction of the Lord and through the preaching of the word, is going to start removing that garbage out. It's going to peel back one layer and say, well, now there's another layer. We've got to peel that back. And then now there's another layer. Yeah, but there might be layers still. And you see that 
is what the local church is for. That's what the word of God being preached is for. That's what God is doing in us is we're hearing the word and we're walking this out. And this is why it doesn't happen overnight. If you've taken years to fill up with garbage, don't expect it's just going to get erased. And the reason is not because God can't just erase it all. He can. Do you understand that? God can wipe it all clean. He can take it all away. That's what Jesus essentially did on the cross is his blood wiped our sins clean. They don't matter. But that doesn't mean that God can build on that structure. Because if he builds on that structure without getting you to see what the sin is, what the problems are, all you're doing is covering up another layer. And eventually that layer will cause the structure to fail. That's exactly what we saw in this, in, in this house. There was things, that, I mean, we even moved interior walls around. It was, it, it was that much of a change that was needed. And so you understand this. This is what God does. Before he can even build you into what he wants to build you for, he has to clean you out. But what do people do so often in church? They resist. They resist. They hear the word, but they resist. They hear they got to do this, but they resist. They fight it. They push it off. They... And all of that, the only thing that that does, it doesn't, it's not that it's going to even drive you to hell. There's people that resist their entire life will still go into heaven. But they'll just get there without the blessing of God. You have to understand what God is doing. God has, has to get you to see it. So when he builds the house he wants to build, which is your life, it's not full of garbage. It's not full of, who, who would be blessed by moving into a brand new house? Like they have these lots right up over here, right? They have these lots they just put in. They're selling them for like, I, I think they're like a hundred grand a, a lot, you know, for a little piece of land. And, and they want to build nice houses on them. And anyone who's going to be able to afford it, that's what they're going to do. No one up there is going to go put a, you know, a little tiny house on it. They're going to spend that much money for land. They're going to build a big expensive house. Amen. But sometimes people, these developers, they'll build these big houses on what they call spec. spec uh, and what that is, is they'll build it with expectation that somebody, or expecting that somebody will come in and buy it and want to do that, right? Um, sometimes people flip houses that way as well. Um, but uh, nobody is going to uh, take a house on spec or, build, or, or buy a house, buy into that. They say, like, I built this brand new house. And you know, because people like vintage, I went and got some ratty, nasty carpets. I got three or four layers of them for extra padding. And we carpeted this nice new living room with this ratty, stained, uh, you know what I mean, nasty carpet. You know, animals had done their business on it and stuff and all of that. You know, and that's kind of the thing, right? Um, uh, actually, uh, it was, I think it was John was telling me once he was working on a house uh, in Buffalo doing something and, and wasn't there a ton of fleas in it? Yeah, like, he, it, like they had to wear suits to keep the fleas off of them uh, and stuff like that. Yeah, disgusting, you know? And so, so these, but see, this is, a lot of this stuff is our, our, our lives, right? This is, this is the way that our lives look. It's, it's, it's flea infested. It's got poop stains on it. It's got, you know, people have done bad things in there and it just doesn't feel right, you know? And see, nobody's going to walk into a house and give the top end dollar with it looking like that. But see, what God wants to do is he's not just, he, he wants to build a structure, but before he's ever going to touch that structure, he's going to clean you up. And that, my friends, is what takes the time. Building the structure doesn't, I don't think, takes near as much time as cleaning up the house. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so uh, that, that's what God is doing. So that's why I brought Mark, uh, Mark's, uh, uh, Mark's house into the pictures. You just tell us that. And now it's a wonderful place for them to live. And, and Kirk is living there too. Praise the Lord. And it, it, it's a, a wonderful, you know, it's becoming more and more so all the time. And it'll be a good investment by the time he's done. But that's what God saw in us. He saw us as good investments. He was like, you know, if I get in there and they'll let me clean up that house... I can build something on them that's really worth something. Um, one of the things, and I've seen this so often, you know, and as a, as a pastor, it can be heartbreaking because I instantly fall in love with people that walk in the door. If you don't think that's true, I'm just telling you, you should, you should try pastoring sometime. I mean, with the anointing of God, that's exactly what happens. Instantly fall. But I see people over the years, and I watch the processes. I watch, I've watched it so many times, I can almost point to you and tell you. I could go through your lives right here without knowing things about your lives, and I could tell you things that are going in your lives spiritually just because God has shown me things over the years. It's not something you can get there just by, by knowing it. And it's not because I'm a pastor, that part. It's just even if you're a Christian, a good Christian, you can learn that. But, uh, you know, what I've noticed is that there's 
there's people that come and connect and there's always places where I'm like, they're gonna have to they're gonna have decisions to make. You can't come just simply hear the word and think that your life is gonna change. You have to put the word to work. Yeah. And we preach that all the time, but somehow people are still confused by that, and I don't really understand that. And it's not me being callous. I'm still, like, when somebody's hurt and I want to pick them up, I want to help them, even if they haven't listened. And we've done that many, many times, even though people haven't uh, listened. We've done that many times up into and including the point when they leave us, watching them go, and we're still trying to help them. Yeah. It happens all the time. Yeah. And that can be a heartbreaking thing, but that's a process of pastoring. That's one of the things that we have to watch. But one of the things the Lord has been dealing with me a lot lately is, is, is not to get super sorrowful over people that won't stay because I can't do anything about that. All I can do is present you with the truth. You have to decide what to do with it. Amen? And people's lives are either grown or they fall apart based on what they do with the word that's being taught to them. Amen? My life is what it is only because I followed the word. And I only followed the word because I was so tired of being bit and hurt. I was so tired of losing that I just couldn't stand it. I was like, I had a choice. I was literally faced with a choice. Choice. I either go forward and with God or I die in my misery. And that's where I was at. And so for me, that was a pretty obvious choice. Now, there's been a lot of times that I've been like, well, I'll just take death. Amen. But then I have other things that I think about. I think about my children. What happens to my children if I don't serve God fully? You know what drives me to serve God? It's not because I want to. I'm just telling you the truth. It's because I always like it. Don't get me wrong. I love pleasing God. But there's many things God has me do. I'm like, no way. I don't want to do that. I don't do it because of that. I do it because I look at the faces of the ones that I love, and I think if I don't serve God, they won't. And I'm just telling you, if you're the only connection between you and the ones that you love, they will or will not serve God based on what you do. If you serve God half-heartedly, if you, if you serve God, but you're, but you're allowing sin in all the time, then don't ever expect anyone to come on board. They won't follow you. They won't want to. See, you, when, when, people serve, what people, when people follow God, it's because somebody else has become light and salt to them, which is exactly what God has made Christians to be. In Christianity, we are the light and the salt of the earth. In other words, we're reflecting God's glory to people. That's what we're meant to do. Amen? And therein is where people are blessed. Outside of that, people aren't. All I can do is point people to the word. Point people to the word. Point people to the word. Do it, and you'll be blessed. If you need help doing it, listen, like I'm not talking about you got to feel like it. Obviously, I've been saying that. I don't always feel like it. I very rarely feel like doing what's right. In my flesh, but I also know that I don't like the feeling of what it feels like when I don't do what's right. Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. So, all of that said was to build the first, that's just to talk about God's good, and we haven't even gotten into sin yet. But, but before we can get into understanding sin, we have to understand this. And we're going to go back to the beginning of the Bible, so you might as well just start turning there now. Go right back to Genesis 1. Genesis 1, and this is a precursor. If you don't know where Genesis 1 is, get, just go to the front, open the cover, and you found it. Amen? Genesis 1, verse 24. Now, you won't, you've heard these scriptures in this service, in these churches before, right? You've heard them in other churches before. So this is something that's, that's new to you, but we're going to look at something in this. Because we have to understand this before we understand sin. And the reason we go here is because this is the very beginning for man. This is where God created man, right? Genesis 1, 24, it says, And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures. Actually, it's a little bit before that, but I did that on purpose. You'll see it in a minute. Let, let the earth bring forth living creatures after their kind, cattle and creeping things, and beasts of the earth after their kind. And it was so. God made the beasts of the earth and their, after their kind and the cattle after their kind and everything that creeps on the, uh, on the ground after its kind. And God saw that it was good. Well, that's pretty good. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Amen. And what we see in here is this. If you look carefully, the things you're going to notice in these few scriptures is that God created man and he created animals, but he created them very, very differently. 
Only in verse 26 does it say, let us make it in our image. Amen? Now, there is some, uh, there is some religious debate about what the hour is. Amen? A lot of people uh, 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 believe that that's just God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. I, I believe I happen to have a belief that it's much more than that, but that's for a different time. Perhaps if you had a question sometimes you wanted to ask about it, we could get into it. But I'm not preaching on that right now. But there is more to it than just that. Amen? But what's important is, is that he said, let us make them in our image according to our likeness. Now there's lots of debates over that as well. There's lots of discussion over that. But there's one thing that we can see in this that is very, very important. And that and that is this, if God has an image and God has a likeness, then that means God has a nature. God created us to be in the image and likeness of his nature. That's important. So the first thing, in order to understand sin, we have to understand God did not create us to sin. He created us in his likeness, in his image, which is his nature. Yeah. And it, there's a similar, there's things that God created us for that are supposed to be like that. God has a nature, and this is what we need to understand, this is what I want you to understand, is that sin is the exact opposite of God's nature. That's what it is. You can't understand why hell, you can't understand why sin is bad, you can't understand anything until you can understand that sin is the exact opposite of God's nature. To understand that sin is the exact opposite of God's nature, and then to understand that we are made in God's likeness in his image, should tell you something about our nature. That when we sin, we have entered into, now we have what's called and often referred to as a sin nature. What sin nature means is our bodies, our, our, the human race has been corrupted by sin. That's why we needed redemption. But that is not what God created us to be. And if God did not create us to be sinful, the fact that we are sinful has nothing to do with him. It has everything to do with something else. Amen? Praise the Lord. Now, um, you know, we understand why, why, how did man enter into sin? If you, of course, if you continue reading, I'm not going to go into all the scriptures in Genesis, but if you continue reading, why man entered into sin is because he got into disobedience. And see, a lot of people see this wrong. They say, what did God, if I ask most people, Adam and Eve, they eat, ate from the tree of? Knowledge. Somebody, some people said it, some people didn't, because that's one of those things. See, some people knew, said it because they knew where I was going, and that's okay if you didn't. A lot of people have always said it's the tree of knowledge. Well, why, see, God, why would God want you to eat from the... I've heard so many atheists debate our faith from the standpoint of, why would God not want you to have knowledge? See, he wanted to keep knowledge from you. What kind of God is that? What kind of, it's not the knowledge. It's the knowledge of good and evil. Now, that's, uh, that, that is a very interesting thing. And I, I actually have some opinions on that as well through studying things out that I'm not getting into today. But I'm telling you this, it's not knowledge. God is not opposed to knowledge. In fact, we only have knowledge because of God. Amen? But So when people say that, uh, so many people speculate what the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and I, I actually have this, 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 uh, this little note in my notes here, um, not necessarily uh, intending to preach on it, but I, 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 I've called it here a tree with purpose. You understand that that tree had purpose. And if that tree had purpose, then God had purpose in putting it there. And that purpose wasn't to trip you up. But the tree had innate purpose. Because everything that's created has innate purpose. He created things after their kind for innate, in, innate purpose. He put purpose in them. So when God grew a tree in the garden, the tree of knowledge of good and evil... It, it, it was, and now, here, here is something that's interesting in studying this out and just thinking about this. I know this is getting a, maybe a little bit teachy, but it, it, it will help us form a foundation. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil doesn't mean that it was necessarily a specific tree that produced good and evil or knowledge of it. The fact that it was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil could refer to the fact 
that once people disobeyed, their eyes were open to good and evil. And so that's an interesting way of looking at it. So it wasn't just that it was a tree of knowledge or even a tree of knowledge of good and evil. That's a blanket statement of what we're saying. So what, we're, what I'm doing here is I'm trying to unpack some things for you to, to set kind of a foundation for you to understand. Sin is not that it was the knowledge of good and evil or that humans had it. The purpose of the, 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 the point there is that they disobeyed and by disobedience they entered into sin which was against the nature of God and against our nature. Amen? There's a reason God warned them about it. Um, but here's something else to understand. People, some people debate, what, what's this tree all about? And I'm, I'm going to share with something you're going to hear out of me a lot. You've heard out of me quite a few times, but you'll hear it out of me again to the, here today. It doesn't matter. Because if it mattered, the Bible would have told us. Yeah. See, the Bible tells us what we need what we need to know for spiritual growth. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm, I'm just looking at my time back there. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of eating through it. But, uh, uh, they, but it, if it had purpose, God would have, uh, if we had needed to know the purpose, God would have told us that wasn't the point of the story. I'm going to, to put this position before you. You do with it what you want. This is my opinion. But it is of my opinion that had Adam and Eve not eaten from the tree, they would have known full well what the purpose was, and so would we. I'm just putting it before you. You do with it what you want. If you don't like it, say, oh, I don't think that's true. Well, that's fine. We can, we can, we can have that. But I, I fully believe that because there's nothing, there's nothing in nature that it seems like God, God created everything in nature. Romans 1 tells us he created everything, and everything is a reflection of him and tells us about him. He says what can be known about God is seen in his creation. Yeah. Hallelujah. And so... There was things that we were to understand, I think, more. But that's, 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 uh, here, the, yeah, we'll, we'll get it in heaven. So this is what we know, okay? These are a few things we could know more or know, know less, but this is five things that I want to touch on that we know, okay? Um, one, we know that God makes all things with purpose. We know that. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. According to the scripture, you can't read through scripture and see that God doesn't make all things with purpose. Number two, the other thing that we know is this. God's purposes always have a bigger picture in mind. Yeah. For example, God blesses you, but blessing isn't as much about filling your desire as it is about bringing you to a greater knowledge of him. Right. You understand when God blesses you and you understand that it's God's blessing, what he's doing is teaching you about himself and through doing it. But another, uh, another a greater purpose for God blessing us is for us to be a blessing. Have you noticed that what God often blesses you with is how somebody will come to you? Maybe he'll show somebody something. And some people might sit there and say, well, why didn't he just give me the money? Or why didn't he just give me the knowledge? Maybe he wanted to use somebody else to bless them too. You see, the blessing goes, this is the way God blesses. God's blessings are never one, one direction. It's always multi-directional. Glory to God. I, I, I've told times where God has put on my heart, go give that person money. I've gone and given them money. You know what it does? I, I, I've seen like, and, and then somebody has told me, it's like, you don't even understand how much I needed that right now. We were trusting God and believing in God. And this has happened to us as well. You don't even understand what you've done. You have just fulfilled. You've just answered our prayers through your action. And they're like, you know what? That's amazing because I almost hesitated to do that. And while I was hesitating to do that, I just knew that I had to. So it builds faith in the other person. You see, God's blessing is just going out everywhere. And they just go out and they do whatever and then they're stirred and you're stirred now everybody's stirred and doing the work of the Lord hallelujah this is the way it works amen we don't feel like it but we do it anyways what is that that's us putting our hands to God's work and then he blesses us increases us and encourages somebody else the fact that I can stand in a pulpit should tell anybody who doesn't feel like they could they're able listen I was the I, I was in the gutter man that's where I was. I was the lowest of low. I've said this many times, and I, and I, and I say it in, 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 in godly pride now, but I, I've, I've had my arms and my face in a toilet, my arms wrapped around a toilet, my face in it, glory to God, and toilets that I wouldn't even put my rear end on today. Yeah. It's just the truth. Yeah. Toilets I'd be disgusted to even stand and use. So I didn't even have to touch it then just in case things can backtrack some way. You know what I mean? I just, I don't, I, I don't even want, I mean, I'm telling you the truth. Yeah. I, I, I found myself waking up in houses that, 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 uh, that like, like the John got to work in. Hallelujah. 
you know, they're flea infested or, or, or I, remember, I remember partying in houses and going on turning on a light. Thank God. I mean, I was surprised that the light would turn on. But you turn on a light and there's like, there's like a thousand little movements in every direction getting away from the light. That's not normal in a clean house. Right. Hallelujah. And so I understand this. But God's blessing, he's blessing us through these things to encourage us. He blesses one another. Don't get mad when someone else gets blessed. When someone, gets mad, when someone else gets blessed, if you get mad or you get upset, you know what you've done? You've just entered into uh, exactly the opposite. The Bible says rejoice with those who rejoice. So when somebody else gets blessed, you know what? Rejoice. I say this all the time. One of the greatest things, one, one, one of, not just one of the greatest things, but one of the awesome things as a pastor, this just happened to me last week. Pastor, I got a new vehicle. I rejoice in that. I want a new vehicle. I didn't get one this year. I want a new vehicle. I want a different vehicle. I want the, you know what I mean? But see, there's somebody got to, I'm rejoicing. Like, take me out and show me this. When was, anyone in here who has ever gotten a new vehicle and they've told me about it, unless I've been distracted or had to be pulled away for a second, one of the things I always say, take me out there, I want to see your new vehicle. Because I want to rejoice with you. Right? We rejoice with each other. When somebody gets what you want, you rejoice with them. Why? Because God is good. Amen? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So we understand these things. God's purpose is always have a bigger picture. You know what I see when God blesses you? I see, I see you encouraged. I'm not just looking at the, the vehicle or the house or anything else. Man, you know what I saw? I, I, I remember there's, there's this time. We're in the old building, and Bob wanted this new job. Bob wanted a job. He had a job that was trying to keep him out of church at least some days, and he wanted to be there, and it wasn't taking care of him the way it should, and he wanted a new job. And he heard about this job, and he applied for it. In fact, I just recently had him tell me the story all over again because it just blessed me so much. Amen? So Bob was talking to me. He's like, this job he's applied for, and he didn't know. And they even told him, like, you're, he said, what, you're unqualified, right? Or you're not qualified. Don't have enough qualifications for it. By the way, just to give you a little spoiler, he's in that job today. But anyways, he was unqualified for it. And, and, and you know what? If he hadn't got it, then God had something better for him. And we knew that. And we encouraged him along those lines, I think. But, he, but they, they called him. They said, you're unqualified. And he had a little bit of a down day when he heard that, didn't, didn't you, Bob? A little bit, a little bit sad. I don't, I don't know who encouraged you. Maybe your wife did. Did you encourage him, Chris, and that? I may be messing up the story a little bit, but the gist of it is what, what we're getting to. But anyways, long story short, they ended up coming in and, 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 and deciding, somebody put his name forward, they decided to hire him anyways. And now he's at the head of that job. He was brought in as a second, uh, second in, or the, the, the worker guy. Now he's, in, now he's the head of the job and he's blessed in the job. Amen. And you know what I've seen in him? I've seen, I've seen the peace of God in him. That blesses me. That's what I look for. I see a man whose faith in his God was increased. That blesses me. Amen. See, what sin does is sin pulls all this stuff away from us. It's trying to pull us away from the blessing of God. Because sin cannot be in the presence of God. It's against his nature. Amen? It, it's, it's a repellent to God's nature. And if you're going to be full of sin, then you can't be full of God. Vice versa. If you're going to be full of God, you can't be full of sin. Amen? We understand this because of what Jesus did. Amen? Yeah, I get to the other three points here, uh, the other three things of what we know. So the third thing that we know is God loves to have knowledge. So that tree couldn't have been about keeping secrets. God loves us to have knowledge. He loves us to have knowledge. He gave us a whole book of knowledge. He gives us pastors to help teach us knowledge. He's given us the other ministry gifts to teach us knowledge. He's given us brothers and sisters in Christ to encourage us in knowledge. He's given prophets to speak about knowledge. And he's produced knowledge here and there and all over the place. Glory to God. God loves knowledge. And he loves you having knowledge. So we have to understand these things rightfully. Number four, this isn't least, this isn't fourth down the road, but this is just as important. This is important. God loves us with real love, not pretend love, not some kind of weird God love that we can't understand, but with the same love that we understand. God loves us. And if God loves us, then his purpose for us can't just be to go to hell. Yeah. It can't be. This is, why I, this is why I debate with all my Calvinistic friends, or I don't really have a debate, and I don't really have any Calvinistic friends, but I'm saying if I met one, I could be friendly to them. Amen. And this is where the debate would be, because they believe that people are predestined to hell and people are predestined to heaven. I just can't believe that. Amen. 
In fact, there's an apologist that I love, I, I've gleaned from, I learned a lot from, and he's Calvinist, and I just that's the part I don't agree with him on. But see, if I, he was still sitting, I would, I would have him into the church in a heartbeat. Absolutely. God loves us. Number five, the fruits of the Spirit reveals to us at least some of his attributes. Yeah. The fruits of the Spirit reveals to us some of God's attributes. Why? Because it's not fruits of your spirit, they're fruits of his spirit. Ironic, I just talked about that for 12 weeks. Hallelujah, so we understand it. But you understand that those aren't just God's, uh, those aren't just what God wants in us, but those are also the reflection of him. Why does he want us to exhibit fruits of the Spirit? Because he made us in his likeness and his image, and we were separated through sin, and coming back to God through the blood of Jesus Christ, we've come back to a place where we can be in his image and likeness once more. This is what God is doing in us. And so when we understand this about sin, we can understand, so we start understanding a little bit more of the importance of why we stray away from sin. It isn't just because God doesn't want us to have fun, right? Uh, we're going to close here. We've got about five minutes left. I think I probably won't get very much further in this. But we're going we're gonna to go to, I want you to see this because I, I really think this is a good uh, sticking point. Turn with me to Isaiah 59. A real clear scripture, I should say. And, um, hallelujah. Now, if you're asking me where Isaiah is, don't ask. Because it, it, it's so, somewhere in the middle of the Bible. I'm looking for it too. Amen? Praise the Lord. It's right, right after Psalms and Proverbs. The major prophets, as they call them. I do know something. Ecclesiastes, Isaiah. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Isaiah. Isaiah 59. So that's way down. Isaiah is a really interesting book. I love it. Man, it seems like it's taking forever to turn pages today. All right, Isaiah, no, 59, not 69. Huh? It's too far. I'll get there. I'll get there one of these days. There we go. Isaiah 59. Now you got to find the verse. Go all the way down to verse 1. <laughs> Isaiah 59. We'll read verses 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save, nor is his ear so dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. See, the true knowledge of what Adam and Eve gained by, by disobedience to God, the true knowledge of it was separation from God. Adam and Eve up until that point, they didn't know. The Bible says that he walked with them in the cool of the day. He was in the, in the garden. He was walking, looking. In fact, when Adam, after they had sinned, they became convicted and they went and hid themselves, right? And then we hear that famous question that God asked Adam. Adam, where are you? Why are you hiding? Did you do what I tell you? Now, he only told him not to do one thing. He said, don't eat from this tree. But God knew instantly, of course, uh, God knew anyways. But, you know, the, the point is, is that uh, he was saying it for Adam's sake. Did you do what I told you not to do? And now, and then we look at what happened. He says, uh, the, 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 the ground, though you, you're going to labor on the ground, but it's going to bring forth thorns and thistles. It's going to, you're going to have to work hard by the spread of, sweat of your brow. You won't get to have things just come easily to you. You're going to have to work for them. Amen? And then Eve, you're, you know, the childbirth thing, and you're gonna, it's going to be a laborious and, and, and all that. And, and there's always going to be enmity between you and, uh, and the devil because of these things. He's always gonna, there's always going to be this, this rivalry between you. And so he attacks women, and we've seen that over and over and over again. How many, how many times throughout history women have been abused for the sake of the or even on the sake of the gospel, but even though it's not right. Amen. We see those things. But what does it say? It says your, your iniquities, which is sin, the things you've done wrong, they have made a separation between you and your God. So what sin does is it separates us from our God. Now you think about this. Um, 
I, we have a fireplace in our house, a wood-burning fireplace. And in that wood-burning fireplace, we burn wood sometimes. We haven't burned it recently because I also have a gas fireplace, and it's much easier. But, uh, but we have that, and I like it because if we, you know, if we needed to, we could heat the house with it. But we have a wood-burning fire. But when we first got the house, there was a really short uh, uh, tile uh, just a foot wide outside of that. And one of the early times we were having a fire, um, the screen was up and everything, and a log, a piece of log rolled out. I think I, what I was doing is I was moving stuff around, and a piece of glowing, burning ember rolled out. And it rolled right onto our carpet because it was right there. Now, the house didn't burn down, thank God. Carpet's made to not burn. It just melts and, you know, but it does, it looks hideous, right? It's hideous. And so it's not something that, uh, that, that is good. And it's right there in the middle of your living room now. And you can't put a couch in front of it because you got a wood-burning fireplace. That'd be stupid, right? <laughs> and so you can't just cover it up. And so now we had this. So long story short, we extend it out. But what I'm getting to is that fire is good where fire is, but fire isn't good where it's not. And where fire is not supposed to be, it burns and it causes problems, right? Well, this is the same thing, like, like, so you have to keep fire in its place. And the same thing is with us. If we allow sin in, it can't be in the presence of God. Because what the presence of God does to sin is it destroys it. Because sin is awful. Now, if you don't understand this, let's just take sin through real quick. We have uh, no time left. Uh, we'll just, I'm just taking you through a real quick walk of what sin is. You might think, you know, if I told a little lie today, that's, that's a sin, but that's not bad sin. Yes, it's sin, but it's still sin. And the, if you follow sin through, see, what Adam and Eve did wasn't that great. It wasn't that bad. I mean, they, they disobeyed once. How many people have ever disobeyed once? Come on now, right? How many people have ever disobeyed God once? I mean, I make a practice of doing that a couple times a week, probably. You know what I'm saying? Like, not, not, not trying to, but I do. You know that. And how many times has God spoken to you and you've disobeyed him? But Adam and Eve did it once, and sin, in, sin entered in through that. And this is the point that I'm trying to make. No sin should be acceptable. Right. Because what sin do, you follow sin through. See, Adam and Eve, they sinned a little. Right there. But then you, you, you fast forward all the way down through history and get all the way to almost today, but back up a few years. And they had this man called Hitler. And this man exterminated people like they didn't matter. Things that I wouldn't even do to an animal, he did to them and enjoyed it. And convinced a whole, uh, a whole group of people to do the same thing. There are people that do things like that today. We have people today that, that because of sin nature destroy babies in the most disgusting and horrible way and, and, and do things to children that they're not allowed to do to animals because animals are protected. I mean, you could, you could, you, we have eagles around here. See what happens if you go smash an eagle egg. I'm just telling you the truth. Go see what happens to that. And yet you can take a baby that could be born alive and you can destroy that life in the most horrific, and if you understood how they do it, it's the most horrific. Like if you knew how to do it, you'd never support abortion again if you had an ounce of, uh, of, of heart in you because it's disgusting what they do to them. But we're allowed to do that in this country. That's the end of sin. That's what it does. Every time somebody has done, so you, you see in the paper, you read in the paper, oh, oh, this person did such horrible things, and we've seen it. We saw somebody did such a horrible thing to this person, to this child or that child, and then you see the comments that are always doing the same thing. They're saying things like, oh, they need to castrate that person. They need to hang them. They need to be put into the dark, deepest, darkest prison and forgotten about and all that stuff, and all that stuff I can even somewhat agree with. But I'm going to tell you something. Those same people will turn around and sit on a bar stool and not think anything of it. Those same people will, 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 will lie and cheat and steal, not think anything of it. What that person's doing is the end of that because sin has a progression. Praise the Lord. It has a progression. Actually, one of the lives that I've always been very interested in, speaking of sin, and I'll bring this up. I've talked about it before a little bit. But you ever heard of a man named Ted Bundy? He was a, 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 a vicious serial killer, did some awful things. But you know that that man started off in a pretty good family in a church, but a door opened to him, and, and there's in the interviews they've, they've discovered a door opened to him early on, and it was in pornography, of, of partaking of, it was magazines, and he started looking at it. 
and he found this thirst and this drive and if it's something you've never experienced you don't understand it so you don't understand when somebody's fully sinning except for when you sin and you can't feel like you can stop it you understand it at that point but that's exactly the same thing all these other people that are sinning go through what they're doing is they're, they, 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 they have this drive and they don't even know where they come. It's, it's wrong. It's not right. It's not socially acceptable. We, I, I can't do this, but they have this drive to come. What is that? It's sin growing. It's being birthed in you. Yeah. See, little sin births into greater sin. Yeah. And maybe not everybody who lies is going to become a serial killer or a rapist or anything like that. But you have to understand that when we see those atrocities, they're perpetuated by the minor atrocities. Yeah. The first steps, those big steps don't happen right off the bat. It's a series of steps. And we're seeing the breakdown of our society. What is it? It's all sin-based. It's all sin-based. All the things God warned us against. He said, he said stay, stay away from uh, 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 bad sexual relationships and staying out of those kinds of things. And, and yet people, they, they get into that and, and, and they wonder why there's all these other issues. There's people that say things like, you know, God says things about love your neighbor and don't hate and stuff like that. But people are go, looking for retaliation and they're doing all these things. You see, God says, you know, you be in church and connect. And there is scripture that says to be in church and connect with the local body and what God's doing. And yet people, they, they shun it away because, oh, today there's a barbecue or today I want to go golfing. And listen, if, you, if you're on vacation, you're going golfing. There's nothing wrong with that. Or if you're on vacation, there's a barbecue. There's nothing wrong with that. Praise the Lord. You know, but if, it, if that's your summer doing all those things and you're separating yourself from, and then you wonder why all hell breaks loose in your life, well, there you go. Don't come crying to God and say, okay, what, what can help me now? What can help you is to get your butt where you needed to be, hear the words that you needed, grab onto that and do something with it and allow God to change your life. Amen? Praise God. And so, so you, you understand there's, you know, we can have hobbies. We can have things. There'll be times, you know, where, 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 where of course, you know, it's not about being here out of rules and stuff like that. That's not even the thing. I don't encourage people because it's rules. I encourage people because I know what it's like out there in the world. If you don't have, if you're out there living by yourself, you miss God. And when you miss God, you're opening the door of the devil to do things in your life. And he might not do the same thing on everybody. That's what sin is. Sin is a separation from God, not by his design, but it's a separation from God nonetheless. Perfection cannot be, into, it cannot be present with imperfection. It can't do that. The two, they fight against one another. And the, and the truth is, is this. Sin, if it were a being, would try to overtake and destroy that. And that's what the devil was, is personified. Amen? Well, that's a good place for us to stop. I went way over the time, and I apologize. But uh, 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 that's a good place to stop for today. But a foundation of sin, uh, we'll see where it goes from here. But we can understand. Sin isn't that God just has given us stuff not to do because he doesn't like us. He's telling us that there's problems that happen when we do that. Amen?